There we go. Good evening, <laughs> and welcome to Playoff Edition number two of the JMU's podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How's everybody doing? Good. Hopefully, everyone is. Uh, yeah. Another, another free fall start for our podcast. That's right. But hopefully, everyone is. Oh, grinding through one of the tough weeks, toughest weeks of the year sometimes after the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but we are thrilled to be joining you. And I, I think there's a lot of happy Dukes out there, especially those of us, um, at least the Dukes who couldn't make it back to the game. And obviously felt, I think a lot of people felt bad about that. But Thanksgiving is always a rough one. And everyone is looking forward to really getting ready to root fully this weekend. So we have a lot to cover tonight. Um, as always, we're brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Go by the tap room anytime and mention the podcast, and you will walk out with a free pint glass from those guys. It is also coming up into the holiday season, so feel free to go by Pale Fire. If you happen to be driving up 81 all the way from somewhere south of JMU this weekend, uh, feel free to stop in a Pale Fire, pick up your needs not only for the game, but for the holidays to come. We're not giving up hope yet of a home game, but chances are slim. We will see. On the holiday front, don't forget, we also have the JMU Sports Blog Podcast t-shirt. The official t-shirt designed by our buddy Ben is available again for one more week from tonight. We noticed a few people picked up some shirts this week. We really appreciate it. Uh, Just like last year, uh, the shirts really go to help us keep going with the podcast um, the little bit we make on that, we really appreciate everyone enjoying it. Rob, I know for sure now I'm fully on board with the the shirt is the lucky item this year. After this oh, weekend. do you wear yours over the weekend? Oh, yeah, definitely. Along with my, nice. the, the, the janky Nats hat. So it's good time. <laughs> yeah. Um, rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Five points, five stars for JMUSB. We really appreciate it. Um, anybody wants to write a review, we'd love it. Um, we do have a couple things we want to talk about. Before we get to football tonight, just as we have been doing the last few weeks, and it's just been so much fun. What I, I guess before we get to the two big ones, um, men's hoops going to Old Dominion this Saturday night at 7 p.m. So after football and after another sport we are just about to get to, that it will be quite a day of JMU action this weekend. Uh, could potentially set up for one of the all-time days of JMU action the following Saturday but we can't get ahead of ourselves in any of the three sports. And with that, Rob, men's soccer. Yeah, how great was that? Unbelievable. Blowing out Virginia Tech 3-0 on the road in the Sweet 16 over the weekend on Sunday. They have advanced to the third Elite Eight in program history. The 94 and 95 teams both made it. But beating one of their own, former JMU star Mike Brizendine is the Virginia Tech coach. So it's kind of a kind of bittersweet for him, I'm sure. It's a kid, a guy I played against growing up, <laughs> resting, resting kid. So oh, nice. yeah, um, but real that I mean, it's unbelievable. They're going to Michigan State this Saturday at five. So after the JMU football game, you'll be able to flip right over on ESPN three and catch JMU men's soccer playing for a chance to go to the Final Four in Santa Barbara, California, the following week. Uh, Michigan State, Ooh. yeah. That is a wonderful, wonderful place to visit. Yeah, if, if they, they can... didn't they open the season there? Didn't they play a? They may have played a game out west. Yeah, I, I think they, I think they played a game out there mm-hmm. uh, to open the season. Yeah, and um, you know, Michigan State, a, a program in the Big Ten, Big Ten power now with Maryland and Indiana both being outstanding the last decade or so. 
But, Zach Steffen? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Man City. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michigan State also unseated this year. They have been to the Elite Eight three times in the last, I don't know, six or seven years and have not advanced to the Final Four, so a lot to play for for them, but also an unseated team coming in. I mean, just they're three games away from another national title in a non-football sport. Rob. Well, the other thing is, too, like, these are not just kind of squeaking by in extra time or penalties. No. They, they won 3-0. They won um, yeah. That's a blowout in soccer. Yes. As we mentioned last week, they were the first team to score more than one goal against UNC. Uh, they're doing them both on the road. I mean, that, that – And even UNC, high point the first game that they yeah. won on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they're playing incredibly well. It's really exciting to watch. Uh, they won this game without Manny Ferriel, one of their better players, who will have to sit another game this week uh, at Michigan State. But they obviously played plenty well enough against Tech without him. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's just an incredible – this is a great run for men's soccer. First year for Coach Zazinski um, at the helm of the program. Uh, can't start much better than this, right? So. No, it's 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 been really exciting. You know, when I was at school, and this mm-hmm. is really dating myself, but soccer was a big deal in terms of like a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, my freshman year, they still played on campus mm-hmm. over by, geez, I'm, I'm doing what was then the baseball was, field? What was then the baseball field? And then for a while, I think it was a football practice field. But there was just a big hill there, and they used to get, or we used to create pretty raucous crowds. Everybody would just line up on the hill. People bring pots and pans and there'd always be a couple of guys that really did their research on the other team would like pass out sheets with people's names and their hometowns and their high school. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty, uh, nasty environment. Not, We're, not to the tune of like Boca and river. Right. It was right. a little more, it never got violent, <laughs> which may never be a, played. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it was not, not a fun place to play by any means. Right. I mean, it was a real home field advantage. I remember one game against American, um, when OT and they switched fields and the entire crowd, we all just ran and followed the goalie to the other end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cause and, you could sit on the hill, like behind the goalie. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was, there was no, not even like a, a fence to get in. You just kind of walked up. <laughs> um, it looked like kind of the setups that, that we kind of turn our nose up at mm-hmm. when we see the, you know, Colgate's field yeah. this week, you know, people are like, Oh, that's not a real stadium. It's not, but sometimes it suits the thing. Sometimes it adds to its own atmosphere. With mm-hmm. soccer at JMU, it definitely did. It was fun. Yeah, and, and coming off the lacrosse championship this summer, I mean, what a run right now, mm-hmm. you know. So hopefully football and soccer can keep it rolling. Uh, yeah, a 1 o'clock football game, a 5 o'clock soccer game, and a 7 o'clock basketball game at Old Dominion. Uh, Against a, a strong Old Dominion team. Mm-hmm. They're, they've, they're much improved from where they've been the past couple of years. So that's going to be a tough matchup. Right. And what we were referring to earlier is the possibility for a Fargo men's soccer in the Final Four JMU playing George Mason Saturday in basketball the following week. So not out of the question to have one of the all-time days. I guess it's possible that game, if they were to get to North Dakota State, would, could be on Friday night. But we'll see. Um, one other group, Rob, non-sports, but very sports-related, we should give a big shout-out to the Marching Royal Dukes. Uh, oh, definitely. I yeah, mean, that, right? That is just pulling double duty last week. Uh, yeah. It was really, really exciting. Yeah. And it's not like – I'm sure nobody had to twist their arms to go perform in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. <laughs> right. That's just an opportunity of a lifetime. And it was, it was awesome. I don't know if you watched yeah. it. It was not just like a glancing shot. It was fully featured. Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching on NBC, and it was like 
hey, and now we feature from James Madison University, the Marching Royal Dukes. And it was like, then they start playing, they march up. It was a full, you know, performance shot. It was really cool. It was. And then I was actually in the kitchen getting ready. And then my kids were like, oh, my gosh, that Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> so went running in and I was able to catch the whole thing. But what a thrill for them. You know, it, uh, and then to come back and be there in the rain. Um, I think somebody said they had to get up like four o'clock in the morning yeah, to get a bus. Straight back to go to the game. Yeah, give up a lot of time with family. It was just, it's much appreciated from, yeah. from a couple of alums like us. Oh, yeah. I know that's, it's just, it's cool. And I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I, I remember a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I think it was Villanova, the pep band, where they lost and that meme went around of like the flutist or the piccolo player crying. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody's making fun of you, like, oh, look at this story. I had the complete opposite reaction. Yes. I was like, why is, why is that funny? Like, this is somebody who cares a lot about the team. Right. And after getting involved with this blog and getting to know, you know, some people, the pep band, the pep band, the marching world Dukes, they're the most loyal JMU fans you'll ever find. Ever. And not just football, just in terms of fans of the JMU school community, people mm -hmm. um, to do what they do and go out there and perform like that. And to be in there week in, week out, it's a real treat for, for those of us that are just fans. They kind of just <laughs> take it all in. It really is. Hats and off to them. It was, yeah. it was tremendous. Yeah. So, Thank you, MRDs, as always. Um, none of this would be as much fun without the MRDs and the atmosphere that they provide. You know, not only in the stadium, but how many of them are the people we know now as, you know, who are really engaged fans oh, absolutely. 20 years like, later, right? No, yeah. they're, they're so into it. They're, they're so bought in. Yeah. And we know a certain um, freshman flute player who was kind of raised in this by two very passionate parents. Yes, we do. <laughs> so we do. That, that will continue as yeah. well. But it was nice to see. For her and for her family, which Jamie was such a big part of them. So it's great, great for everybody. Really enjoyed it. Hope yeah. they did too. Yeah. So we're going to do four downs from the Delaware win this weekend, a 20 to 6 Dukes win. Third year in a row, they open the playoffs beating a CAA conference opponent. Um, and then we're going to do a little bit of an extended, no guests tonight or anything, but we're going to do a little bit extended look forward to the Colgate game this weekend as the playoffs. Uh, no offense to Delaware, but the playoffs, I think, when you look at the bracket of 16 that remains now, uh, there's really no one left that appears particularly fraudulent, with the ob obvious exception of Kennesaw. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, these games this weekend, I just kind of looked around the bracket this morning and was like, whoa, here we go. You know, these are, well, these are good it, games. It, <laughs> it does make you wonder if 16 is the better number. It does, or, or even uh -huh. 20. I think it wasn't it 20 for a little. I don't know. I, yeah. I think I think with 16, then 20, and yeah. then 24. Um, most of the games were not are historically not very competitive in the first round. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it's always cool for more schools to get a chance to participate, maybe bring some new fans on board. Mm -hmm. But I can see the other side where 16, it's it's the real deal now. There's not a lot of frauds. No, if, if any. No. And uh, I, I liked, actually, I did hear, oh, thank you, big thank you. We had a huge, uh, the Brian McLaughlin bump last week, I think, uh, in the listenership. So thanks to everybody paying attention. Obviously, a lot of JMU fans turning in, tuning in this time of year. But also, we can't help but think that uh, the reach of Hero Sports and Brian helped us out a little bit this last week. Uh, but Brian had an idea I heard on their podcast last week about, he just wishes that they would seed the top 16 teams, even if they even if that doesn't, even if you play first round, right? Yeah. Even if it doesn't give you a buy, but that might avoid some of this JMU Delaware nonsense, you know, where you're getting these. Or last, I think two, last year we had a Western Illinois. I don't know who they played, but there was a oh, Weber State. 
mm-hmm. these kind of games where you're like, wait, this, there's no way that this is the nine seed. I mean, if you think of JMU as essentially being the nine seed, barely missing out on a seed, playing Colgate in the next round, there's no way you can tell me that Delaware was the 24th seed in the playoffs this year. So, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Just an idea. But, Rob, what was your first thought this week, your first takeaway from the Delaware game for first down? I guess I, I had a really difficult time trying to get my head around this and trying to come up with a way to explain it. But I was uh, simultaneously really excited mm-hmm. by that one touchdown drive, but also <laughs> really kind of perplexed. And, and I don't want to veer off. I want to be as clear as possible, and I'm sure I won't be. But like, I do not think for a minute that JMU wasn't trying. I, I don't buy this kind of borderline conspiracy theory that you know, Matthews doesn't want to put anything on tape. It's the playoffs. Houston. You, 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 I mean, yeah. Well, sorry. Freud can slip. Dukes, Dukesy and slip there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but it really was weird how they just responded. I think Delaware pulled within six points. Was it? They, they kicked the field goal in third point. Mm-hmm. And then JMU came out and put together this like 13 play, 75 yard scoring drive where the play calling and the execution looked absolutely nothing like it did the rest of the game. Nope. You know, and it was like, I was, like a lot of people, getting a little bit frustrated. I, I didn't think Jamie was going to lose. And I don't mean to sound like some sort of cocky fan, but, like, I didn't think that game was ever really in doubt. I think the way the first two or three drives went for Delaware, it was pretty apparent. It, it, just, it was going to be was, a real rough day at the office for the. It was going to be rough. Yeah, I mean, for hats Delaware. off to them. Yeah. Um, Kehoe was kind of battling, you know, worked hard to get back this week after being knocked mm-hmm. out. He's, I, I never want to, like, insult a kid, but he's not what we would call a top-tier quarterback i mean he's he's adequate mm-hmm. um when he's injured he was really at a disadvantage there wasn't gonna be a lot he could do in that weather in the cold with limited weapons i mean i think going into the, the game he only completed like 50 percent of his passes on the season so yep. he, he he's not you know kyle laletta or, or brian shore right but he's not a joke either he's a solid player but he was probably like 75 percent they put together a great game plan defensively. The defense was much better than I thought they'd be. And I expected them to be solid. Mm-hmm. You know, Rocco, mm-hmm. we, I love to make fun of Rocco. It's, it's funny to me. He's a good coach. Mm-hmm. You're never going to hear me say that he's not. He came with a game plan. Both coaches seem content to just grind it out and try to win this game seven to six. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they needed to, the Dukes are like, all right, whatever. If we need to do this, we're just going to march down and score game over. But then it was just back to let's, let's, you know, kind of play slow. So, it was exciting to know that they went their kind of backs against the wall. Mm-hmm. They just put the pedal in the metal and fix it. But it also was a little bit like, what would have been the harm in maybe coming out with a little more of this in the first half and just putting it away early? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't there. I'm sure if you look at the tape, maybe they just saw some things or, or there were opportunities. But it was just a weird, a weird situation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And then it's like they hit the snooze again after that and continued to just – yeah, I mean that, that was the position. last touchdown drive where they did go, they went for two and got the two point conversion to go up twenty yeah. to six. And obviously after that, you know, they're gonna play a little differently. I, I think you're exactly right. I, I thought about Rob <laughs> it were it more appropriate. Um our text conversation leading up to that drive, just the two of yeah. us going back and forth, was asking for exactly that. We said, look, the running game's not working. Delaware's really, you know. They're, they're playing well and, and we're not moving the ball up front. Let's, you know, we're, why are we being so stubborn about, we know we yeah. want to run the ball, but let's, why are we just pounding, pounding into the butt of the guard every time. And, and the weird thing is like you and I are not some sort of like, Oh, you got to sling it around. No, you're not going to find bigger fans 
of Cardon Johnson, Trey Sharp, Marcus Marshall, <laughs> right. Percy, and that's like for me the idea, the ideal, and what I thought we'd see coming the season was JMU would just pound guys on the ground mm-hmm. and they'd open it up and have a couple big touchdowns in the air and that was that. Yep. You know, and I mean, I, I'm not one of these people who I don't need 40 points a game. No, nope. I'm perfectly content grinding it out. You know, a, I mean, dare I say this, but almost like a Stony Brook or Elon type offense. Mm-hmm where you just ride a really good running back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, there's a stubbornness where some days you're just like, hey, you know, and it, Sharp was good. Zanucci yep. was good. But nobody else could, and, could get positive yards. No, and we had seen the plays in the passing game in the first half to indicate mm-hmm. it was available, right? I yes. mean, Riley had a bad drop. Kendall Dean yep. had a bad drop. Um, you know, Eldridge but, dropped yeah, Eldridge one. Dropped, yeah. Eh, yeah, that one's a little tougher. But, but in general, the plays were there, right? Yeah. And, and we were kind of like, well, if you can't run, at some point you got to cut it loose. And on that drive, I, I don't remember what it was. I think there were like nine plays in the drive, and they threw it seven times. And yep. then they threw on the two-point conversion. And, and they threw to the running backs as well. They did. And, and I think yep. one of the runs in those two running plays was Danucci, like a Danucci run. So, yep. you know, they just, just – they really did, like, totally take the training wheels off and cut it loose. And they just carved Delaware up on that drive. Um, you know, If you it, had just tuned in for that drive, you would have assumed the score was like 35 nothing. Yeah, yeah. Based on just watching that. It was like, oh, my gosh, this defense has no answer right. um, for JMU. But they did. No, you're right. And I, it's funny, before I – this is going to dovetail into my next one, but before we get there, I do want to – one, as you brought up – as you mistakenly said Mickey's name there, I did think it was funny. Did you see that uh, the week before when the, when the selection show happened, Mickey like randomly called in to a radio or TV reporter. No, it was the DNR. DNR, right? Who he hadn't yeah, he called, called, he called the newsroom yeah. and was like, yeah. I always thought they were screwing me. And apparently they're screwing Mike now too. And, yeah. you know, Mickey spoke at, uh, he spoke at Carrier's memorial service. And, you know, we are, we remain hopeful that, that maybe there will be a little more bring, you know, bringing him back into the program. Uh, obviously we understand if he, you know, it's up to him at this point. And, yeah. and if, if he has hard feelings, it's, I, I don't think any of us would be surprised or, or, but we don't, we don't reciprocate those hard feelings in any way. Um, and that was really funny to me that like, I was like, Oh, this guy's definitely watching the Dukes again. Yep. So, and then on your point, Rob, about just the way they played, this was a weird game. And, and as you said, people were so nervous. It, and I was left to wonder if, I, I don't know. I mean, we're not knowledgeable fans or, analysts or scouts or something but you're right you wrote on the blog this week I didn't think this game was particularly in doubt I did have no. to I mean I did it did frustrate me to look up at the score when Delaware kicked that field goal to make it 12-6 and think man we are one you know Bad really big one mistake. yeah one bounce away from this going really south but that was when they went right down the field and carved them up and I think this was a game for me my second down was just that this was probably the first game this year where I saw, at least the games that mattered. I mean, putting aside the Richmond and William and Mary blowouts and stuff like that. Um, I thought JMU was considerably better than the final score indicated in this game, um, which has been on, not been something that's always, they, you know, the scores have to some extent flattered JMU at times this year. And, this, and last year. And last, and year, last yeah. year. And this yeah. was a game where they really controlled start to finish they controlled the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. And I didn't have any sense that Delaware – I mean, once they got to 20, there was no – you know, I was like, well, Delaware's not going to go to 20. And that sort of dictated the way JMU played the rest of the game. Um, people are still like, well, the offense is terrible and we can't do anything. Well, you know, 
if they'd had to throw it again on two more drives, it sure looked like they could have this week. You know, I'm not trying to be an apologist for the lack of running game, but it, it just seemed like a better game than maybe the 20 to six score indicated and a perfectly acceptable way to handle and manage a playoff game. If you're coach Houston. Um, yeah, I guess there's two ways to look yeah. at that. Cause I, on one hand, I definitely agree with you. Like there were elements of it where you saw, you got the impression that should they feel like it was necessary, like they did on the one drive, mm-hmm. they, they could open it up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, He's just Houston seems very content to like let's just do enough. Let's take ball control to him seems to be everything. Mm-hmm. Which throw Johnson's injury out, but I think that's why maybe Nooch won the job. Mm-hmm. You know, as Johnson has a very lively arm, but we saw you know, it's maybe maybe those four mm-hmm. interceptions or whatever weren't a huge surprise. Based, I don't know, pure uh, yeah. speculation, my fault. But it just seems like the most important thing to Mike Houston is take care of the ball. And we'll do everything else again. Like even when they went for it on fourth and goal, mm-hmm. to me that was more about confidence. That was more about confidence in the defense in terms of like any aggressiveness. It was like we've got nothing to lose because our defense is going to pin them back here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we'll take another shot at it. But yeah. Um. So on end, I definitely agree with you. But on the other hand, like I'm thinking, we're kind of jaded. Twenty to six in the playoffs. That that's a two score win. Yeah, like, yeah, we won by fourteen <laughs> points. Here, right? We won by fourteen points. Like it's just. Like, and the other thing, it's like it's a playoff win. You know. Yeah. Two. We're all kind of like, oh yeah, next, next, next. And I keep saying this, but it's like, we maybe we need to appreciate this more just week in, week out. Mickey Matthews was really good for the program. Um, Everett Withers, even though people don't want to give him credit, did some things very was good in some ways. He was a perfect to, injection for that two yeah. years of life and energy and a change in offense and yeah. all of the recruiting and just changing the game but, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but at no point with either guy. Did I, you know, anywhere in the season, just count on, count like, oh, well, lock it up. We definitely have a playoff victory. Or, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. You know, at no point would I have not been excited. Liberty, about, Colgate. You know, yeah. Liberty, Colgate, um, Youngstown State. Yeah. Um, whatever. I mean, these things happen. Like, And now it's like, we've, I, I want to go to Frisco again, too. I want to win championships. But I also don't want to get to a place where I don't enjoy beating a rival in the playoffs. Yeah. And. You know, survive in advance. They beat Delaware. They beat a Delaware program that is on the rise, mm-hmm. that has a coach that we have loved playing against and has had success against JMU mm-hmm. at other schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is one, yeah, we, we got to look forward and set your sights high, and, you know, we, you can't dwell on it. But it is okay to be excited about a win, even uh, what some people might consider an ugly win, and that's, that's debatable. Yeah. I mean, again, 20-6, to 6, it's not like they crept out of there with a last-second field goal and didn't do anything offensively. The running game wasn't there. They still beat a conference rival by two scores. Yeah, a couple little things on that, Rob. I I think that's exactly right because people were kind of, you know, the CIA had a bad day on Saturday. Oh, yeah. right. And Towson got beat handily by an NEC team, Duquesne, um, in a torrential downpour. But, you know, whatever. They got beat. I mean, they really got thumped. Um, Elon lost. I don't think that was particularly unexpected, just – given their injury situation right now. And then well, it's also the, the, what is it? They were like fifth or sixth place team. In the CA lost to the SoCon champ, right? That stinks. I would like, to, but I don't think that's, you know, that, that's not UMBC over UVA. No. So people are acting like, ah, you know, take that. <laughs> right, right. CA, CA sucks. Look at that. Well, no, I mean, it, none of these teams were seated. No. And, they, and the if, same if, thing if, with Stony Brook, right? I mean, Stony Brook yeah. gave up a 14 point halftime lead and lost to the OVC co-champ or second place team, 
South SEMO, Southeast Missouri State. Yeah. You know, at, on the road. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. My thing with the playoffs and that, what I want to say is, I just I don't think that always. You know, you go on like any given Saturday or something, and people are like, "Oh, the CAA, what, the six bids, and this is crazy." But the playoffs are. I mean, once you get a bracket, it really is the matchups themselves, and every game is kind of individual. I mean, it's what you you referenced the UVA UMBC game. That doesn't mean UVA wasn't a good basketball team last year, yeah. right? They lost DeAndre Hunter before the tournament started, and UMBC did some, I mean, had a one of one in a million night. I mean, I, I don't know what, sometimes these things happen and I, I, I don't think it's worth sort of compounding the, oh, JMU only scored 20 points and the CAA all lost, so we're all terrible. I, I just don't sort of buy well, into that. And, people, and I don't, I really don't buy into this like, oh, three team, well, four, I guess, Delaware, but that's, you can't yeah, really you can't count knock Delaware, somebody, right? I mean, somebody had to lose, right? To see it. Um, but I don't buy this narrative that, like, oh, they lost the first round. That proves they didn't deserve any of the bids. No, it doesn't. I mean, the way football works is half the teams are going to lose. Right. Um, yeah, it's unusual for all of them to be from one conference. But this is not a situation where you can't tell me that Furman would have guaranteed won their first round match. Right. For no. no. You know, that, and if JMU is the only works. team to win this weekend or Maine's the only team to win this weekend, that doesn't say anything more than what it says right i mean you know those are individual games and individual matchups and yeah i agree and then my second thing i loved your comment on twitter rob um during the game and about and and this was kind of my point about the 20 to 6 score being maybe a little a little less than what we saw delaware looked like an entire team of tight ends or nintendo like what would you call them fat or medium-sized medium guys right like you know, <laughs> you, you couldn't tell like when Kehoe would go over and like pat guys after play. I couldn't tell if it was a lineman, mm-hmm. if it was a receiver. I mean, their yeah. their receivers look like tight ends. Right. Their quarterback. I mean, didn't they actually start a tight end, a quarterback a couple of years ago? They got a weird. Well, and run if Kehoe hadn't QBs. played, they would have started the receiver who did play a couple plays at quarterback this week. Yeah, you know, but who was I mean, who was an all conference receiver? Mm-hmm. And he played quarterback previously, but yeah, they were. They had some big dudes. Yeah. Well, Keogh um, definitely looked like a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> he looked very Joe Carbone, Stony Brook-esque. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just they're, – that was a big team, man. Yeah. Um, so what about for third down, Rob? You got something else? Well, I guess I, I, I don't want to go too negative, but – and I don't want to be accused of either of being some sort of new apologist, but I think we saw on Saturday that um, – I, I thought Newt played well. I, did I thought he – I thought he – was the most dynamic player on the field. Yep. Um, I, I liked his deep balls. I, he overthrew, I think, Dean by a step or two. But both um, deep balls but, were catchable balls. But they were catchable. Right. And they were overthrows. I don't mind overthrows. No. I, I, they're not going to get picked off. But I will say, like, you touched on it earlier. These receivers are all playmakers. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly, I think Dean and Stapleton next year could really be trouble for defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, Brown, again, continues to make strides. But – they do drop the balls. I mean, this is a weekly occurrence, and you mentioned it. Yeah. It's not just once or twice every couple of weeks. It's every single week we're, we're seeing drops. And I keep going back to this, but I think that's part of the reason why Shore was so good two years ago. Is he had the confidence just to go for it because guys like Brandon Ravenel and, and you know, Terrence Alls. I mean, made a Terrence Alls just yeah. like just the 50-50 balls. Yeah. We don't have – even Stapleton, right. who we are – I mean, we are Team Stapleton all the way. Um, teams are locking him down, maybe to the point, or not maybe, but, like, they're getting away with it. He's so big and he's so good with using his body that people are just 
I mean, why not take a chance? And if you interfere, big deal. It's college, right. like 15 yards. There, there have been many where I thought he, the defender, really got the benefit of the doubt. But it's not like in the past years. We're not seeing guys go up and make plays. They're great in space. They're terrific when they catch the ball in a, in a situation where they can move. Mm-hmm. But that is one element of the game that, that I think is still missing. Yeah, um, and I think it's an element that's not it, – it's not – I don't know what to say. I mean, <laughs> I play receiver in high school. Who cares? But it, it just yeah. – it's like one of those things where at some point, if JMU wants to really have the season that, that – that, you know, to achieve the goals they've set before themselves this season for these next one, two, three, four weeks – they're going to need people to just make a play at yes. some point. Right. And mm-hmm. that was the kind of play we saw, whether it was Ravenel, whether it was Dean Cheatham, whether it was Terrence Alls, Terrence right. Alls. In, in yeah. the last few years, you know, even Ish Hyman, I think about it, in the championship over Youngstown state. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point you just, one of those plays has got to hit. Um, I yeah. was pleased on a couple of those deep balls. Uh, a couple of them that they missed were on the drive that they, that great drive we're talking about. Yeah. which also did help to open up everything else underneath. You know, there's, there's a strategy to it, even when you don't hit them, as you said, as long as you overthrow them and don't throw picks, you know, that, that can change the game. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a play. I mean, and, and, and it's not, I mean, this is not some major offensive overhaul. These guys can catch the ball. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, yeah. you just, just got to limit it because we saw it last year in the championship game. North Dakota State fans will say, oh, they played great defense, and they did. Outstanding team. No, we dropped the ball. God bless we them. Dropped a lot of we balls. dropped the. We, we, Jamie fans will say we dropped the ball. Yeah. I will go to my grave saying dropped the ball. I will go to my grave saying Stapleton did not fumble that ball. Right. Yes. Um, but it, you know, if, if you eliminate those drops, which you should be able to do mm-hmm. on a championship level team, Jamie is two-time defending champs. That's right. Um, I, I think this weekend, you know, you can get away with it in a game like they got on Saturday, mm-hmm. where you know the, your opponent isn't going to score a lot. This weekend, playing against a team like Colgate, uh, this could be a first first team to double digits wins yeah you you can't give up opportunities if you have a chance to go to look at i mean i don't know if you watch the uva game yep. UVA, that guy dropped that ball wide yep. open um that'll haunt him for the rest no of i mean th- there's one for me coming right towards my seats in frisco last year late mm-hmm. in the game that would have been a touchdown for jamie <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, so i mean like they got to make they got to make the big plays we'd love to see that and, We'd love to see that deep, but more they just got to make the simple plays you, you got to eliminate the drops mm-hmm. you got to eliminate you know missing the holes or, or missing blocks the defense has has wrapped it up we didn't see what were there any real big plays i can't recall only i think they uh, they ran a trick play the kind of reverse yeah brush it off a little bit um yeah and on the defense I, I mean that's my fourth down it's just jmu is getting really close to full strength right now we've talked a lot about health and suspensions and injuries and stuff this year and they probably haven't had to manage them quite as much in a particular unit as they did last year on the O-line. But overall, I mean, Charles Tut, that was old Charles Tut this week, yeah. right? I mean, he looked quick, you know, just like he is believing that he is fully healthy now. Um, having Jahi Jackson back on the O-line and, you know, maybe that's what – I mean, Houston talked a lot about him in the press conference today just that this was kind of his second week and he's getting back into it. That helps a lot. Uh, Landon Word was probably the best player on the field this weekend. I mean, he, yeah. he was just a monster. And, you know, since they've gotten him back in the latter part of the season, you know, these last three wins, he's been a major, major factor. I think that's – and I don't know what's going to 
may talk about kicking looking forward thing, but even sort of seeing Radke back on the field, I'm not really sure what the story is there because they, they mm-hmm. kind of went back and forth a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is something to keep an eye on. The defense definitely has it locked down right now. And I, I just, I'm so excited about the potential for the defense. And as you said, if they can just make the simple, the plays that are there to be made on offense, they, they really have a shot against anybody the rest of the way. I mean, no matter what has come before this, the talent, the depth of talent is there on, it remains there on this team. So you're also heading to the part of the playoffs too, um, particularly with Colgate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, beyond that, it could be, could be a North Dakota state situation. You're not going to get a lot of chances. You know, well, you, you, right. yeah. Yeah. you just, you, you, you again, that's what happened. That was the difference last year in the championship. Yeah. They had their chances. They dropped them. There you go. You're going home. Colgate um, gives up 3.2 uh, points per game against SCS competition this year. If you get a chance to, tr- to catch a touchdown and you don't catch it, <laughs> that's really significant yeah. against yeah. that kind of a team. Yeah. And, and, and maybe we should, Stop. I think the initial, uh, the initial, the inclination for most fans to go, uh, whatever, Patriot League. No I, way. I, I think, no way. Just uh, three points a game is three points a game. Yeah. And that's just silly. I mean, you look at their stats and you think it's a, you think they're typos. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. They went, what, two months without giving up a touchdown? Yeah. That, that shouldn't happen. No. That's, that's unfathomable. And we also saw, like, while I still think the CA is a very good league and I'm not going to freak out over, over last weekend's missteps, right. it, it's not like Jamie was playing the 85 Bears every week. No. You know, it, it's just we need to give some respect to the opponents. It's one thing in college you don't play all the common opponent, opponents. It's not like, you know, where you can measure up conference schedules or anything like that. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on paper and even the eye test, mm-hmm. it certainly looks like the average Patriot League team is not as athletic or big or, or maybe, you know, talented in some spots. These guys are college football players. They're not a bunch of chumps. And the idea that Colgate yeah. just made it a habit, of, you know, made shutouts a habit. Mm-hmm. You, if you don't respect that, you're, you're you're kidding yourself. And you really, I don't want to say you don't know football, mm-hmm. but come on now. We're not, this is not the difference. This is not Alabama compared to, you know, Little Sisters of the Poor. Patriot League still has some good players. Jamie learned the hard way yeah. that you can't overlook Patriot League teams a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's revenge um, Colgate. Colgate made a run to the championship. They lost, but didn't they? They lost to Delaware years ago. I mean, this is not unknown territory for them. They're not going to be scared by the moment. And this defense is is as good as JMU has ever seen statistically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, as we kind of move into looking forward to Colgate, I think right, Rob. Mm-hmm. You got um, you know, quick break from our sponsor. <laughs> our, yeah. You know, one of our many. Okay, well, actually, our only sponsor, Pale Fire Brewing. Go pick up your pint glass of pill fire. Um, no, moving into the like kind of next week, I think that's a really good point. I read Bennett Conlon's piece today. Um, my my one of my things looking forward to this week that I don't. It's just so hard to gauge this game. Is I don't feel like we know anything from trying to compare the two seasons between JMU and Colgate. I, I watched. I went back and watched the Colgate Army game. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard – even that game is a, is a difficult one to gauge because of the way Army plays with the triple option and they just limit the possessions and grind you down. Um, it looked to me like probably Col- – I, I, I would guess that Colgate's coaches would say the first half was one of their sloppier first halves of the season, um, which might bode well for JMU in the sense that they finally had a big step up in competition and 
they struggled. Yeah. You know, but I don't know, you know, they beat, no matter what the committee said about the selection show, they beat New Hampshire without Trevor Knight. JMU lost to New Hampshire with Trevor Knight. That's like playing, you know, at the SCS level, it's like with or without Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Yeah. You know, like it just, it, they're not comparisons. And, you know, there, there really isn't much else. I mean, they shut out William & Mary. JMU shut out William & Mary. Like, I, or, you know, I, I don't know what else to – I don't – there's not much to divide these teams. And you go back and kind of look at the 2015 game, and there's no doubt that they're – like, their running back, James Holland, had the biggest play of that game, was like a 63-yard touchdown run when he was a freshman and now he's a senior at Colgate. And he, he's only gotten better. Yeah, he's by far their best offensive player. Um, like by a long, long, long way. And I think JMU will be, I mean, how JMU plays on defense will be entirely based on how they do against Holland and the running game. Um, I, I think JMU. Yeah. I mean, he, he rushed, he rushed for 166 yards on only 18 carries against army. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we need to pump the brakes on the idea of like, he won't be able to handle the, the superior size of JMU. No. You know, uh, Army's not an SEC team, and they've got different size players than most FBS players, mm-hmm. but they're still big guys. They're still athletes, and they're still good. 9.2 yards of carry, is, that's not a fluke. No. The guy is very talented. No, not at all. And I, 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 I feel like, I mean, as you said, it could be first person at double digits wins this game. And I feel like this game, you know, it really is going to come down to JMU's offense versus Colgate's defense in a lot of ways. You know, I, I don't – I mean, I know no. Holland is good, but, you know, they've got a question mark. Colgate, their starting quarterback, Brenneman, did not play the last two games. They obviously had a week off to get healthy. Don't know the story. Uh, the kid, Atwood, who came in, who filled in for him, a lefty quarterback, relatively quick, you know, moves pretty well. But he's not – he's not Brian Shore. I mean, he, he's not super accurate with the ball necessarily. I mean, he's going to give JMU opportunities at some point. So I, I'm not, I'm not terrified of Colgate running away with this. The way that what it was the 2015 game was like 44-38 in a very Withers-esque fashion, right? Yeah. Well, they're just going to play a ground control game. Yeah. And, you know, try it, it'll be a lot like Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, the team just trying to take care of the ball and go. Uh, I do think one thing that you and I are, are universally kind of on in agreement is JMU seems to have solved other teams. Uh, the JMU defense seems to have solved it. If you don't get you know, at least B plus quarterback play, you've got very little chance against this. This defense. is the most important thing of all. I, I just can't, you, you know, compliment you just, enough for recognizing this very early in the season. Yeah, it, you know, the, the good QBs have had success, but any anything other than like a kind of all conference level talent mm-hmm. has no hope against this defense. No, you're just not going to do it. You, you, no, it, you that, doesn't that's, mean you're not going to make a play or two. But the flip side is, do we need to worry down the road? Yeah, we'll worry about that later. Let's try to – what can we do to win Saturday? Right. I, I think either one of these guys are talented. I, I think Brenneman is, is decent. Mm-hmm. I think he's more than decent. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he completes like 65% of his passes. He's a very good quarterback. But they're not going to ask him to throw it. No. Um, if they're throwing 25, 30 times a game, that plays a JMU's favor. Mm-hmm. That's not what Colgate wants to do. Colgate wants to, you know, just hand it off to Hammond and, and let him run and win a 7-6 to six game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, the weird thing in this game will be how Colgate shapes up defensively and did any – I don't know. They're, they're all-conference, all-time sack leader at Colgate. Uh, Wheeler, the defensive end, got hurt at, at Army 
in that last game. Now, he looked, you know, not – he didn't look – I mean, this wasn't Alex Smith-type injury on the sideline, and I think there is a tendency probably for the Colgate coaches to say, all right, we're playing our FBS game, like let's wait for the playoffs, you know. Yeah. Um, but that would be a big loss for them. That would be interesting to see. And one thing in the Patriot League that you do wonder about playing JMU, as we just talked about how healthy how, – JMU really has all their bullets to fire right now. But, I mean, they pretty much aren't missing anybody – who has been with them at any point in this regular season. And if Colgate is down, like say the starting quarterback and the starting defensive end, you know, where do they have the depth of talent? Uh, One thing I will say watching Colgate, the two linebackers are fantastic. Uh, Wisniewski is 34 and Hall 21 are really sideline to sideline players. They're not huge guys, but really veteran experienced players. Uh, kind of exactly what you'd expect from Colgate. And I don't know what Jamie, Jamie's going to have to move them around and, and do something to not let them just wreak havoc uh, on this field. I mean, some of those pitch plays that Jamie ran against Delaware, where they just, I, I felt like Delaware, I mean, what did Delaware have? It seemed like they had, they were in the backfield all the time, yeah. a, a bunch of times. And Jamie's going to have to cut that out this weekend against these yeah, two guys. I, I think Delaware had, eight or nine tackles for loss. Uh-huh. Um, that's what really impressed me about Delaware is they had a middle-of-the-road defense statistically, mm-hmm. but, man, they got a lot of pressure off the line. Like, they got a lot of push mm-hmm. and, and really forced guys. You know, Sharp was able to get some yards after contact mm-hmm. very effectively, and Nooch got a lot of, you know, running when, when the ball – when the play broke down. But otherwise, I mean, they were hitting guys before they made it back to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, Colgate, on paper at least – um, looks like they could be a much tougher task. They could be. I, I do think if JMU can find enough protection, and it's good to see them start throwing the ball downfield, I, I think if JMU can find enough protection to push the ball downfield and have a couple of those guys make a couple of the plays we were talking about, that is a place that they could – I don't know if Colgate has anybody for Riley or for Kendall, you know. Um, or even Jake Brown. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I, I, I do. Th- we focused a lot on the receivers, and we talked about what they needed to Eldridge, do better. I mean, the depth of yeah. play, like the depth of talent. If you're playing your, you know, I don't know where Colgate's like slot corner is matching up against some of JMU's depth at, on the outside. So it's interesting. I mean, if I was Colgate, I would try to take away. I, I'd give Nooch in the offense this kind of little out routes and the hitting standing receivers. I would do whatever I could to focus on stopping the slants. I know those aren't the sexiest passes. Right. And people say Nooch can't go deep over the middle, but man, you hit a guy like you hit a guy like Brown yeah. or Kendall Dean mm-hmm. when they're eight, you know, eight yards off the line before mm-hmm. they come across and hit that middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's where they're most effective. And Danucci seems to be really effective and really accurate in making those passes. Everybody freaks out because sometimes he kind of side arms them or he looks like a shortstop, don't it? And it is a little bit off putting. <laughs> but man, when he puts it on the money, yes. You get you get a guy like Dean who can catch it running in stride mm-hmm. or Brown like mm-hmm. we saw, I, I believe that was a Gage Maloney pass where he took like eighty yards against Richmond. Oh, yeah. That's where you really can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, you turn those seven eight yard passes into seventeen eighteen yard uh, gains. Mm-hmm. So that that would be I would I would take that away. I'd give them all those stupid out routes, which are fine, but they're the little five yard. Yeah, chunks. if you make the tackles, and those two linebackers will make the tackles on those yeah. sort of five yard out routes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be what Colgate's looking to do on the yep. other side of the ball. Colgate's kind of a weird team statistically a um, little credit to Bennett on this, but Colgate is one of the leaders in FCS in time of possession this year, but they only convert 
38% on third down. So that has a lot to do with that James Holland stat that you were saying about rushing for a billion yards a carry or whatever it is, right? Um, They clearly have not been in terrible third down situations. And I I do like JMU's chances to put them in some difficult positions on third down. Uh, You know, JMU has been susceptible to giving up some plays on defense, but they also, JMU makes a ton of negative plays on defense. You know, the, what we saw from John Daka last weekend, again, you know, just if you give them any opportunity or put yourself in a bad position like Delaware did against this defense, you're going to be in real trouble. And I do wonder no matter who plays quarterback for Colgate, that, I mean, that, that to me was an odd, it jumped out at me, like given how good JMU has been on third down, um, and they seem to be in third down and long a lot. It was weird to me that Colgate is both good at time of possession in controlling the ball, but not particularly good at converting on third down. So who knows what that means? I think it means they get a lot of first downs on the first two downs. Yeah, but still, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is it comes down to in games like this where it's going to be close and both teams mm-hmm. seem to have the same sort of mindset of just take care of the ball. And, you know, Colgate's very good on the run. Uh, JMU is determined to do whatever they can to establish the run, run right. kind of come hell or high water. Well, Marcus did look, otherwise. Marcus was a little bit of a spark. I thought it was nice. Yeah, I, I, I did feel well. I was, I was happy to have him back as, as much as I have said, maybe they have too many backs and they need to limit, you know, that's a good run on the touchdown run. It's, I don't know. I think there's something there. So, yeah, I, I thought, and, and I thought Trey Sharp was pretty Trey good. was really good. And I think Trey could be, he could be very good in this upcoming game as well. I'd like to see, I, I would like to see a lot of Trey and Percy in this game. Cause I think, I, would too. I, I think that Colgate is very sound. They're extremely well coached um, at the risk of this sounding culturally inappropriate. They are exactly what you would expect from a Northeastern hard nosed, smart defensive team. <laughs> you might even refer to them as gritty. Right. And, yeah. and I think they're, you know, the guys like, if the guys like Percy or Kendall or Riley who have a little something extra athletically could pose a real problem for them. And I'd really like to see those guys get their opportunities. So I would too. And I apologize. I lost no. my train of thought, but I was saying it's in a game like this where it's really, you know, strength against strength. Uh-huh. Special teams is kind of a check and James. Huge. Huge this could be the type of game where Amos makes a play or um, Colgate Juwan. actually struggles to get the ball to the punt returner. Their, punt, their punter seems to struggle to get it even deep enough to where Amos might return it. Well, that, which is that also might be not good a problem. For right, right. Yeah, that, that might be good for right. him. Um, or Juwan Hamilton, too. Uh-huh. I think he's got the potential to break one off. So that could be another thing. You know, it's just it's going to be about limiting the mistakes, taking advantage of the few opportunities you get. You know, if you get a step on either defense, you got to go. Yep. You can't, you can't lose behind. But it's really, you know, Brian had mentioned this special teams this time you're in the playoffs. You get you get one big return that flips field position, or you make a big field goal, or Harry O'Kelly, you know, consistently drops them inside the ten. I thought he had a very good game mm-hmm. punting. Yeah, he did. Of, he did real solid. You know, and that's something that I've been I've been really confident in Jamie's special teams all year. I've been up and down. I mean, the defense at its peak is amazing, mm-hmm. but we've also seen games where it's like, yeah, you know, they just, a couple of plays get beat. Um, offense again, up and down. Special teams have been consistently very good mm-hmm. all year, and that could be the difference maker, particularly in the cold on the road. So uh, let, let's see if Amos can make a play or somebody else, maybe a block punt. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to come down to just a couple plays. And those weird plays, I mean, I, I, Colgate ran a reverse on the opening kickoff against Army. They tried a like jet sweep pass 
to, you know, where the receiver was trying to throw the ball. I mean, like we've been talking about the last few weeks, really since the New Hampshire game, um, Colgate, a team who is going to pull out all the stops if, if necessary, because they don't, they have to find a way to create points a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they're going into this game thinking we're just going to run our base offense and score 35 on JMU. And probably in the same way that JMU is, really. So those plays, and whether it's special teams or just kind of the gadget plays, that those could play a big role. Um, I thought Jamie did a good job of kind of weathering the storm when Delaware tried to pull those things out in the second half a little bit this week, and they need to do that again. Well, that was my big concern for the game. Yeah, it was. I, I actually thought Jamie caught a little bit of a break with Kehoe starting because it returned Delaware to kind of its base offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they would have been much more dangerous if they just started doing more wildcat or throwing out more. They were the one big play they had, which I had forgotten about. You reminded me was that uh, flea flicker. So, yeah. And then, and then the last thing for the only other thing I had from this game is, uh, you know, in, in a game that is like, I, I, it's going to be really hard for, I don't know which one of us is going to do the preview this week, but it's going to be hard for me to pick anything other than about a 16, 10 game, like one way or the other this week, I, th- oh, yeah. I think. Right. And, and, um, Last week, the Ohio Valley Conference officiating crew was um, troubling, to say the least. <laughs> and not, not to mention okay. the announcer who didn't think that was targeting. That guy was terrible. Are you freaking kidding me? We could do an entire podcast <laughs> on how bad that guy, guy was. was. Right. I mean, and nobody might listen, but it would make me feel so It had so nothing to do with hitting him in the helmet. It had to do with lowering the crowd and hitting him right and smacking he, the solar I mean, plexus. If you... If you want to be like Mr. Tough Guy, like back when I was there, football, football, and people are they're wussifying the game, fine. I, mm-hmm. I don't agree with you, but we can have that conversation. If you simply do not know the rules, mm-hmm. that's entirely different. Like, like, you can say, like, hey, I wish this rule wasn't in place. You know, the guy's trying yeah. to make a play. He looks right. fine. But the rule is you can't lower your helmet and make contact first. <laughs> and, that's right. what he did. He did. You know, that, that's, that's what he did. That's There's what he no did. Debating he that. Like, for he put, that. That's yeah. the end of he was looking at the ground, and he hit the guy in the head. He's like, oh, no, it's just a football play. He wasn't hitting him in the head. Who, who cares? Right. He hit him with his head. That is the definition of the rule. That's like complaining that you can't kick the ball in basketball right. or throw it in soccer. Right. Maybe that's how you did it growing up. Great. You might not agree with it, but the rules are the rules. Right. That guy, that guy was terrible. Oh, yeah. Then argue, arguing that the safety wasn't that big of a deal because <laughs> right. it was only two points right. in a punch. And I was like, Dude, I got dumber by watching him. Yeah. And I can't afford to get much dumber at this point. <laughs> I, if that game went into overtime, goodness, I'd, I'd be like brain dead by now. I'd be like eating, eating food out of a straw. Like, yeah. so, I don't know, it'd be terrible. <laughs> well, it, word on the street is we're going to have a SoCon crew this week. Um, you know, I, one thing I saw, I noticed in the Colgate, a little bit of Colgate I got to watch was they do, they, they push the envelope a little bit, right? They, I think their coach was, very pissed that there was an offensive pass interference call, which was the right call for a pick mm-hmm. for a pick play against them. That would have been a big play against Army. Um, you know, those little subtle things are a big deal in the playoffs. You know, this weekend I thought JMU just Delaware just couldn't do anything on offense against JMU's defense. So in the end, all of those things kind of washed away, and we forget about them. But even the spot on the on the um, Danucci slide, like. I know that the that was just is, weird. It was really weird. Right? It was weird because, like, I, I could have seen, like, saying, hey, you know, he started here. And I didn't necessarily agree with that. But even that being said, they still backed him up five yards before where he started slide. Right. That was, it was just such a weird week. And, yeah, it, I mean, not to say that, that it almost the, had me wishing we had average CAA rep. So, yeah. yeah almost. And the, 
And then the Jimmy coverage, it was like they oh. saw it, and it looked – if you have not watched Jimmy Moreland, mm-hmm. you might think, like, you just assume, like, oh, my gosh, he had the guy wrapped up. And you can't cover people that well without interfering. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you, most people can't. You or I cannot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jimmy can, and Jimmy did. Right. It was it was really good coverage. Like, it looked like he had you know, maybe pushed the guy. He just had such great position. He turned his body at the right time and made the pick, and the guy threw the flag, and that was just – that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, I was completely sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So if you, like, it didn't look possible to make a play that good without interfering. And it, but I swear, it was that it, good. It was. It was, it was that good. exceptional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So hopefully, JMU will not suffer, you know, at the hands of the stripes this week. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I think that about brings us to the end of the, the football portion, right, Rob? Yeah, so, dude, let's wrap it. I'm sure. Yeah, you want to introduce a couple of our two real quick overtime. Topic. Yeah, this yeah. will be quick. We're just going to do something simple. We're each going to mention a beer that we've had recently that we've enjoyed. Not favorites or anything special, just something we've had recently that I guess a recommendation. And then since tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, we're each going to talk about a charity that we um, you know, like and support. And maybe if, if you're looking to make a donation tomorrow, you don't have a fairy, favorite charity of your own, maybe you can look towards one of these. Mm-hmm. So, um, is, you can leave it Is off. Giving Tuesday a new thing? Like Giving Tuesday is a new thing. So it was like yeah, I think Cyber it comes, Monday. So we have Black Cyber Friday, Monday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday now. Giving Tuesday, okay. yeah. I, Which is cool. Yeah. It's, it's neat, yeah. you know, certainly around the holidays. It's probably better than reminded. Black Friday or Cyber Monday. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. In many ways. Yeah. So my beer is I did get to spend, as I have traditionally gotten to do, did get to spend Thanksgiving as much as I would have loved to be at JMU. I, I do spend it with family in Savannah. And there is a new brewery down there. Rob, I think I have joked with you that – um. You know, for all of Asheville's wondrousness, the rest of the South has been a little slow to catch up sometimes. Well, Georgia had, until just recently, had very weird yeah. alcohol laws. Like, when I was in Atlanta, I don't think you could buy beer above, like, 7% alcohol, which okay. really makes it tough for craft brewers. And who knows, because this one's 7%, so maybe that's the rule. But there is a new, yeah. a fairly new brewing, brewery in Savannah called Two Tides Brewing Company. Um, it is in such a cool place and they are doing some really 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 great stuff and the one that i had this weekend was the don't be snooty ipa it's um i don't know what the story is but it's just great and it's a really cool place if you get down there that kind of that kind of starland district of savannah is finally blowing up it feels like i don't know savannah is sleepy they don't care about blowing up too much and i love that but that was a real the two tides don't be snooty it was a exceptional beer this week with Belma and cashmere hops. So nice. yeah. In an exceptional town. In an ex- oh, a, one of the best. A, a, a good a, a town that likes its strength too. When I lived in Georgia, what, what was the joke? Like, I think they said in Atlanta, they asked you what your father did for a living in Macon. They asked you where your mom went to church. And in Savannah, they said, what would you like to drink? Yes. <laughs> so, I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I had, I kind of too, I'm going to have like one recommendation okay. and that's, I was going to say there's this new beer, um, blue jacket brewery up here, mm-hmm. which is oh, a restaurant. Yeah. They brewed a beer called the Avenue mm-hmm. and it's kind of dedicated to Delray. That's the big Mount one Burton down Avenue. by the Nat stadium too, right? Yeah. yeah. Nat stadium. Yeah. And they've got a restaurant in my neighborhood oh, cool. and a beer and wine shop. So they did this beer called the Avenue. Mount Vernon Avenue is like yeah, the, yeah. the main main street in my neighborhood. That's cool. Double IPA is very cool, but that's like limited release. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to talk about that. But um, Leslie, the label lady by Hardywood. Oh, this is a new, it's a new IPA. Uh-huh. 
I think it's probably going to be much easier to find okay. than, yeah. than the Avenue, which is just really in the DC area. Uh-huh. Really good beer. I had it a couple weeks ago. Um, like a lot of Hardywood beers comes in the tall boy cans. It's like seven and a half percent. So it's, it's hefty, but it's not the type of thing that's going to, you know, ruin your night if you have, if you have two or God forbid, even three. <laughs> um, and depend, hopefully celebrating a win. Right, yes. day, but, but good beer should be able to find it. I, I imagine most of Virginia, mm-hmm. um, I got it at Whole Foods. It's not like I had a camp out or brewery right, or anything. Right. It's not my favorite Hardywood beer, mm-hmm. but it's it's certainly a really good one. And nice. I'd give it a shot. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what's your charity for tomorrow? I'm going to do Blessings in a Backpack. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is this is really cool. This is one that we support. My family and I, we volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blessings in a Backpack is an organization that provides food for the weekends for children that qualify for the free lunch program. Mm-hmm. They're in like 45 states. I think they've got like 1,100 schools, um, one of which is my children's school, oh, cool. where, you know, it just kind of opens your eyes to the fact that uh, poverty and, and hunger is a real problem in many of our communities. I think the statistic I saw was like one in five children. So this is not something that you just think of like, oh, you know, over, it's, it's not around us. It's in all of our communities. It's a very real thing. Um, 50% of my kids' school is on the free lunch program. Mm-hmm. So we we volunteer, we donate money, we local businesses donate food and then once a month a bunch of us show up at this warehouse and we pack all these bags where the kids get sent home over the weekend um for food to last them through the whole weekend um without it a lot of these children would would really just be hungry and malnourished mm-hmm. and, um i don't know it, it's just it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of sad to think mm-hmm. about people in our own communities but it's also a very worthwhile effort it's a charity that we really like i'm Actually, in two weeks, I'm going to a charity bar crawl for this. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I will be having fundraising money, but it's also something that we go and we actually pack these bags. And uh, if you're looking for something to support, give it a chance. It's blessingsinabackpack.org. You can go read all about it. And um, I don't know. It's something that, that, that I think is great, and hopefully people will support it. I love that. And that's very much in the spirit of our our old buddy, Joe Sahaski. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, be, we'll be talking about Joe trying to come up with something as the March Madness time approaches. But uh, we we miss you, Joe, and um, that 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 just makes me think of him a lot for sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely. And oh, mine definitely. is the I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, and this is hyper specific to me and my good fortune over the years. But the Breckenridge um, Outdoor Education Center, B O E C dot org, mm-hmm. is a group that um, th- I did a little volunteering long time ago with this group, and they have kept it going strong. They're even bigger now. And they do a bunch of adaptive outdoor sport work. So they take blind people skiing. They take disabled veterans, um, you know, find a way for them to do sit skis, uh, teach people to mountain bike, all, all kinds oh, of, you wow. know, really just get people involved that, that maybe wouldn't have the ability um, without kind of some real professionals in the adaptive sport world to get people out there. It's just a fantastic group. And the people that work there are basically all, you know, instructors and lifties and ski patrollers from Brack, and it's really really cool um i just they do such a good job and they've turned into such a big deal and i think for so many people to get a chance to go to a place like that and and they do some trips to utah and stuff in the summer in the desert and stuff as well but breckenridge outdoor education center beoc that's awesome yeah really cool yeah not only adaptive sports but just the idea of getting people out in the outdoors yeah so particularly you and i we love it that's like our refresh Um, but it's just proven to be so beneficial in so many ways, people's mental well-being and everything. So mm-hmm. 
um, to combine that with adaptive sports is just a fantastic and worthy cause. Yeah, it's really cool. So I think with that, Rob, I'm looking forward to I, – I hope I will be looking forward. I think I will be looking forward to talking to you again next week. I'm still trying to find a way to make the trip to Hamilton we'll, or Canada or wherever this is. We'll, yeah, we'll see if this happens. Um, but thanks, as always, to Pale Fire. One last plug for them. Go by the tap room. Pick up your errant IPA anytime. Um, take it up to Colgate with you if you can. Uh, we want to beat Colgate in football. And, man, we want men's soccer to beat Michigan State and take them to the program's first ever Final Four in beautiful Santa Barbara, California, right? Yes. Yes. That, so. that would be one Jamie road trip I might be able to convince my wife to take. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and it is uh, – the, the Final Four in college soccer is all in the – it would be the whole weekend, right? They'd play like Friday, Sunday, I think, um, yeah. out there. The whole Final Four would be out there. So regardless who they play. But Rob, I will be, thanks for talking tonight. I will be looking forward to talking with you and hopefully we will be, uh, I mean, we'll either be on the road to Fargo next week or we'll be headed back to Bridgeforth for Montana state. Yeah. Well, right. There is another option, but we don't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But um, this should be a good game. This is kind of a throwback for people who long for defensive football. Um, You're going to get, you're going to get that in space. It's going to be 35 degrees and rainy and, and, the thirteen ten game here. So I mean, the the over under is like thirty five, and I thought that was a bit high. <laughs> yeah, I was like, pound the under, people. I yeah. did notice the line. Uh, people did get in on the Dukes early. I, I did think today I saw the line moved from like two and a half. Dukes opened as a two and a half point favorite, and pretty like within a couple hours, skyrocketed up to like six points. So obviously the. I, I, the dumbass. I've always, won- is- I, I've always yeah. wondered how many bets that takes on the FCS level. Is that like a couple yeah. hundred bucks? Right, right. I mean, it can't be. It can't be like Super Bowl level amounts of money being moved. Yeah. Is there like a syndicate from Rochester? You know, I don't getting know. in on this game? Yeah, yeah I've noticed yeah. the whole Bing- the Bingington crew. Right, right. Getting in on right. this. Right. Calling their guy in Providence. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? So, Rob, I will talk to you next week, and go Dukes. See you. See ya. I was terrified for days Thought I was gonna break